Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our series, Dream Junkies. In fact, we're concluding our series, Dream Junkies. Has this helped anybody at all? Amen. And of course, as we've discussed, everybody has dreams, right? Everybody, even if you don't know about, if you believe in God or not, uh, you know you have dreams. And uh, we chase our dreams because of what we believe they'll do for us and what we believe they'll do for other people. And yet God has dreams for us that are even greater than the dreams that we have for us, that will have an even greater impact on our lives and a greater impact on the lives of those around us. And he wants us to spend our lives chasing his dreams for us. In fact, we've said it this way, God wants us to be dream junkies, individuals who are addicted to seeing God's dreams come to pass in our lives and the lives of others. And so during this series, we've learned that God is a big God and he gives big dreams and that, of course, to live those dreams, we need to know God through our experiences and find freedom through relationship, discover our purpose through exploring, and then make a mark through serving. We've learned that to live the dream, we need to have the right values. And so we've been focusing on the eight values that we want to define us as a church and should define us as individuals. Those values are that Jesus is our message, People are our heart, relationships are our passion, giving is our joy. And then last week we talked about the fact that excellence is our standard. Anybody enjoy last week? Amen. We learned, of course, that an excellent spirit is a good and godly thing that it leads to you being promoted. So we should always strive to do everything with excellence. And then we ended last week by talking about the fact that celebration is our culture that it is good to celebrate our wins. We ought to take time every once in a while and just celebrate the good things that have happened. And not just our wins, but the wins of others around us as well. We've learned that we really should celebrate the most when somebody comes to Jesus. That celebration is the culture of heaven and it needs to be the culture of our lives and the the culture of our church. Today I want to get into number seven and it's very simply this, that honor is our code. Honor is our code. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. The King James Version says, in honor preferring one another. Well, God is telling us here that we ought to honor each other. And of course, the word honor here means to have esteem of the highest degree. In fact, if you look up a a modern definition of the word honor, it means to hold in high respect to revere. So God wants us to hold in high respect each other to honor each other, not just honor people that seem to be important or people that have a lot of money, but to honor each other. God wants us to honor the janitor just like we would honor the CEO, right? The only qualification 
for being honored is that you be an individual, that you be a person. And what we can get from this is that God clearly wants all of us to feel honored. He cares about how we treat, we treat each other, and he wants all of us to be in a place where we feel that we are honored by each other. I love how the New Living Translation goes a little deeper with this, or sorry, the New NIV Translation, when it says, honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. The Amplified Bible says giving precedence to each other. And I already mentioned to you that the King James says in honor, preferring one another. So he's not just saying give honor to your neighbor, don't just give great respect to them or even confer honors on them. He's saying actually honor them ahead of yourself. Prefer them ahead of yourself. Now I went from a couple of amens to one amen there. But that's what he's saying, right? I, I remember this picture, and I know that their, their history is, is really complex at this point, but I remember seeing this picture of Will Smith and Jada Smith years ago before all this mess, excuse the mic here. And uh, they were on the red carpet. And, you know, of course, on the red carpet, everybody is, you know, trying to look their best. And, you know, they know that they're gonna, pictures are going to be taken, videos are going to be taken. And Will Smith looked like Will Smith, you know, looked like a movie star. But he had Jada with him. So instead of drawing attention to himself, he did this. And he was pointing to Jada. Anybody remember that? And he was, what was he doing? He was actually making sure she got the honor ahead of him. He was making sure she got all the attention that she needed. And that thing is a really good picture of what God is saying here, that we ought to actually be doing this to each other. Honoring each other. What kind of church would we have if everybody was busy trying to out-honor each other rather than trying to outshine each other? That's the kind of church God wants us to be. That's the kind of people God wants us to be. The kind of people that prefer others ahead of ourselves. He's telling us to honor one another. Well, if we go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, we can see one of the areas this applies in. It says, in the same way, oh, before I read that, let me not, let me not miss this. The message translation of Romans 12, 10 says it in this way, practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Man, that jumped out at me. You know, that takes humility. See, you know, I, I've had conversations with people and they're like, well, I don't, I'm not impressed by anybody. I don't care who they are, what they are. I'm not impressed by anybody. And they think that they're saying something great, but what you're telling me is you're prideful. Because honor, uh, or say it this way, humility has no problem honoring others, has no problem putting somebody else on a pedestal has no problem being impressed with someone else. Pride is threatened by those things. So it wants to pretend like, well, I'm not impressed by any of y'all because that would say something about me. But God's telling us we ought to be the kind of people that we, we, we purposely play second fiddle. You know, one, there's another scripture in the Bible, actually, I think it was, Philippians 2, 3, it says, esteem others better than yourself. So I actually on purpose choose to respect them more than I respect myself. And understand these scriptures are not saying to do this just because somebody deserves it. 
well, they deserve that they're a good person and they've done certain things. No, the idea here is simply because they are an individual that God created, simply because, particularly as believers, they're somebody that is a, a son or daughter of God, you ought to esteem them higher than you esteem yourself. Think more highly of them than you think of yourself. Honor them above honoring yourself. Well, 1 Peter chapter 3 shows us an area this applies, and it says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. I didn't hear one male amen, not one. I thought at least I'd get a female amen. You know, amen, something, you know. <laughs> Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. God doesn't view the man as greater than the woman or the woman as greater than the man. We need to stop doing that too. And you know, we live in a world that, you know, they say, well, you know, there's this mentality for all these years that men are greater than women. Well, it's switched now. It is switched now. Women, they love talking about how they're so much better than men. Oh, it's getting quiet in this place. I thought I might have heard a male amen there. You know, and God says they're equal. They're equal to each other. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So notice that God is saying to the man, Honor her. Put her ahead of yourself. That's why that Will Smith example, I like that example. This is actually why as men, we open the door for our women. We, 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 we let them walk in first. It's not because you're not capable, ladies. I mean, we got so silly nowadays. When a man's trying to honor you, you can, ah, I can open my own door. Well, you go do that by yourself. I'm going to go find me a woman. Right? No, it's, it's an act of honor. I'm putting you ahead of myself. I'm opening, and ladies, if you go on a date, I told my daughters this. I said, if you go on a date with a guy and he doesn't open your door, tell him to take you home. I'm going home to my daddy because my daddy opened my doors, right? Right? No, we're opening the door to honor. Letting her go first to honor her. And, and once again, the word honor here is to have great respect for. It, it means to, to think highly of. And so as men, we ought to be giving honor to our wives, which impacts how we will talk to them. Because there are people in our lives that we naturally honor. For most people, that's your mama. And you, you naturally honor her. There's just a way you act around her. There's a way you talk around her. For a lot of people, that's your father. There's a way you would not talk to your mother. And some of it is because of fear. <laughs> Let's be real. Even to this day, I, I, you know, I love my mama. I, I couldn't imagine saying something to her in the wrong way. Because I don't know what would happen. My mama's strong. She know how to box. But honestly, we do it. But there, are, there are other reasons besides that. That I just don't talk to my mother like that. I just don't talk to my father like that. And for some reason, we seem to put our parents ahead of our spouses. So I won't talk to my mama like that, but I'll talk to my wife like that. That's not honor. And let's go the other way. Because 1 Peter 3 talks about wives in verse 7, but if you back up to verse 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, it talks about uh, 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 wives, how they treat their husbands. 
and it talks about reverencing them and how Sarah was an example for all women, how she even called her husband Lord. Now, you ain't got to go home and call your husband Lord, whatever, but, you know, he might like that. Right, but the idea is honoring the husband, right? You honor the position he holds. Well, he don't deserve honor. She don't deserve honor. That's not your call. That's God's call. And so, and when you chose to say, I do, that was actually when you had your say. And you chose to honor them all the days of your life, just like you chose to meet their sexual need all the days of your life. Oh, can I go there for a second? Can, can I, can I, since I'm already meddling. Because there's this idea that, well, you know, he got to earn time with me in the bedroom. He earned it when he said, I do. Oh. That's what, that's what you actually agreed to. When you say, I do, you're saying, I will meet your sexual need all the days of my life. That's why the Bible calls it do benevolence. Ooh, I can tell I need to leave that alone. We're going to come back to that. Same with, with romance. It goes both ways, right? So God is telling us here that you need to honor each other, that honor should be our code. We should honor everybody, have high respect for them, tr talk to them that way, treat them in that way, and we should especially do that with our spouses. And let's not also forget, we should do that with our parents. Honor your father and your mother, the Bible says that it may be well with you all, and you may live long on earth. That was not a scripture written to children. That was a scripture written to adults that applies to children. You don't know my daddy, he was a deadbeat. He's still your daddy, you honor him. And God will honor you because of it. I can tell this is a real popular message so far. Y'all, y'all look. <laughs> Let me keep going. Let me make it worse. First Thessalonians chapter 5. You got to learn to honor if you're going to live the dream God has for you. Honor leads to promotion. Dishonor leads to demotion. Some people don't ever get ahead in life because you don't know how to treat people. And you don't know how to treat people that God has placed in your life and people are a part of you, uh, of you climbing the ladder of success. You got to be very careful. I'm not a big believer in burning bridges. You know, you might think your work is done with someone or your, 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 your relationship with them in this area is done and so now you're going to let them know what you think and how you feel. You might need them. Two, three, four, five, seven years from now, you walk in the door, you need some favor and they're the one looking at you. And they remember what you said and how you acted, how nasty you were. Come on, it's just better to honor people than treat people right than you allow God to work on people's hearts and God to, if he needs to, vindicate you and God to open doors for you. God wants us to honor everybody. Honor should be our code. That's just what we do. That's how we operate. We don't break that code. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Y'all gonna make me work hard this morning. Verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Oh no, you didn't, Pastor. Did you just take us to a scripture about honoring you? I sure did. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Amen. The message translator says, honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. 
You know, we actually had Bishop Butler here on Wednesday night. Anybody enjoy Bishop being here and Pastor Deborah? And I've watched them for years do this. Uh, they would have, for, for, for Bishop Butler, his spiritual father, for a long time until he went on to be with the Lord, was Kenneth Hagin. And then when Kenneth Hagin passed on, then his, his spiritual leadership became Kenneth Copeland. And so anytime they would come to Word of Faith, Bishop would always bring them on the stage, and he would always give them special honor, always have a gift for them. Now, they already had everything, but still find a way to do that to honor them. So that's why we did that on Wednesday. Um, because Bishop Butler, if, if it wasn't for him, I, beyond the fact that he's literally my father, and I wouldn't be here, if it wasn't for what he's implanted in my heart and, and some of our hearts, some of the, the, the launch team here, you know, God called him to come and help us start this church. If it wasn't for that, there would be no FX church. And so whenever he comes here, we're going to take a moment to honor leadership because that's what we should be doing, overwhelming them with appreciation and love. They should leave here feeling like I am appreciated and I am loved. Last week, I had the privilege of preaching at Faith Christian Center in Phoenix. That's why I just went ahead and did a video for you all because I felt like I still needed to get that message to you all. Was that okay? Yeah. Amen. Uh, and that church I was the church I started at. I mean, I, I was in ministry for about a year or two or so before that, but uh, when I was about, you know, 21 years old, um, they, that church was started on September 28, 1997. Bishop was the pastor. I was the co-pastor. And so that he started with Sunday nights. And then on the first Sunday morning, October 26th, I did the Sunday morning. And, you know, my parents kind of tricked me because at first they were like, we're starting this church in Phoenix. You want to help? I'm like, yeah, I'll help. <laughs> and in the first Sunday morning, well, you preaching. And then in the first Wednesday night, you preaching. And then the next Sunday morning, you preaching. And a year later, I was doing Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night. I was doing the whole church. And so I hadn't been there in almost 20 years. And they decided, since they were celebrating 25 years, to have me come back. And they honored me for being the person that God used to minister on those Sunday mornings and, and, and launch that church. And that church is on fire. That's honor, right? Put, not only showing great respect, but also demonstrating that through being a blessing. And God is saying that that's really what we should do about, with leadership. God cares about how we treat leadership. And he expects us to honor the leadership that he has put in our lives, even when we don't feel like the leadership is worthy of honor. Now, here's something I'm, I'm about to meddle with you guys today, and, and, and this is only a preview where we're going next week. The Bible says, honor the king. And it's already quiet. <laughs> because we're in a culture now that has made it normal to dishonor our uh, political leadership. And so we're all about to repent right now. Because if you ever said something derogatory about the character of Barack Obama, Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, you need to repent. Y'all were with me. Because you're supposed to honor them. Well, they don't deserve this, they this, they that, they the other. That is not your job to determine their character. Now, it is okay to not agree with their actions, their policies, 
the direction the country is going. You can have all those conversations and not be dishonorable. Because see, honor is our code. That's what everybody else does. It's always something to me when I get on, you know, social media and then Facebook was really bad for a while and you got all these Christians just going after leadership. And, you know, I see this in regards to spiritual leadership. And if I, you know, the way people attack, like uh, uh, we had a minister, I won't say names, but we had a minister and he came out with a doctrine recently and, and people just had a problem with it. And I didn't totally agree with it, but it's still a man of God who God has used to reach millions. And he wasn't saying that you ain't got to believe in Jesus. He wasn't saying there's no hell or any of that kind of stuff. You know, we're talking about an issue that maybe it's important, but it don't make them a heretic. And the way Christians just went after them, the, the things they said, and it gets me how people who, they were, they were going to hell until this guy showed up. They were broke. God used them to help them get rich. Their families are broken, but now their families are whole. Their lives are changed because of the minister. But we want to turn around and vinegary destroy somebody because they're human. That's not honor. That's not what we do at FX Church. Come on, anybody agree with me about that? We're going to honor our leadership. Even if we feel somebody's going off, we will pray for them. And we can have a conversation. We'll do it in love. But we're going to make sure that honor is how we operate. Because that is what God wants us to do. Now let's be honor. honest. Honoring leadership is, let's be clear. Honoring leadership is a key to promotion. I think one of the best examples of this is what happened with David. If you know the story of David, you know that God called him to be the king, excuse me, of Israel at a young age. But Saul was still king. And Saul, because he had rebelled against God, found himself really fighting against a demon spirit. Then when God started to elevate David, Saul became jealous. Eventually, David had to run for his life. He hadn't done anything wrong. And he's literally in the wilderness running from Saul's armies. And one day Saul is chasing after David's army and he needs to go to the restroom. So he ducks into a cave to go to the restroom. But David and his men are in that cave. So David's men say, the Lord has delivered him into your hand. Kill him now, let's end this. You know, they probably tired of running too. And David, you know, he kind of listens to him a little bit. He, he walks up to him and he cuts off a little piece of his clothes. And the Bible says his heart smote him. His conscience bothered him. And he, he said, uh, I can't do this. I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. And I'm sure his men were saying, the Lord's anointed. This dude is evil. He, gets, he has demonic moments and he tried to kill you. And he, 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 this is, God called you to be king. But he recognized the man was still in the position of God's anointed. It was not his right to do wrong to him. And it wasn't too long after that that David became king. I, I tend to think that was David's last test. If he had killed Saul, does he become the great King David? But the fact that he honored leadership showed God who he really was. And he became the great King David. Can you pass the last test? Who in your life are you dishonoring right now? Can you make a change in your heart today and choose to honor them no matter what they've done and who they are?
If you do, God will honor you, and he'll increase you. Honor is our code. Somebody turn to him and tell him, we honor. Turn to somebody else and tell them, we honor. we honor. That's what we do. We honor people. All right, last one. Dreams are our fuel. We're going to end dream junkies talking about dreams. That makes sense, right? Yes. Jeremiah chapter 1. Excuse our sound today. We're trying something different. Y'all like our carpet? We're working on something up here. Yes. Amen. So I know it ain't done. We had our FX fixed up, fixed up day yesterday. Anybody enjoyed it? Thank you guys for coming out and helping us fix up the church. And, and, um, and so we, we're working on some things here. And then we're about to do carpet on the main floor. So, so we're working on something. We're we getting, getting there. Okay, I guess I'm the only one excited about that. Anyway, moving on. Um, Jeremiah chapter 1 says, verse 4, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Now, God's talking to Jeremiah here, and what's really interesting about this is that Jeremiah was only about uh, in his 20s. Some people say he was 17. And he received this message from the Lord. And there's a couple of things we can get from this message. First of all, he's telling him, he's saying, I got this message from the Lord. It's almost like I got a text message in the phone of my heart. And God said to me, you know, I knew you before I formed you. So God is the one who forms babies in the womb. Right. And God said, I knew you by meaning I knew your name. I knew your attributes. I knew you before you were even uh, conceived. So you existed before your mom and dad ever came together because you're a spirit being that was dropped into a physical body, just like Jesus was. OK, I'm getting deep here. God saying to this 20 something year old man, I appointed you to be my prophet to the nations. Now, prophet, particularly in the Old Testament, that's about as high a position as you could have. I mean, Isaiah, the prophet, Elijah, the prophet, Elisha, the prophet. I mean, you, when you say prophet, you're talking about the creme de la creme. And yet this guy is in his 20s. And God says, I'm calling you to be a prophet. I actually called you to, to that before you were born. And he's called you to something before you were born too. God knew you. God called you. And he's called you to great things. He's saying, this man, I called you to be my prophet to the nations. I mean, that's a big, big dream. This 20-something-year-old guy, and he's saying, wait, me, a prophet? And a prophet to the nations? Me? In fact, the verse, next verse 6 says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. I think I can relate to that. Anybody relate to that? If your dream is small enough for you to be able to do without God's help, that's not God's dream for you. God, God's dream for you is too big for you. God's dream for you elicits this kind of response. Who, me? I can't do that. Don't you know? Come on, that's what Moses did. I, I, I can't, can't, can't even talk. God, right? Because he was stammering. You got the wrong guy. That's what Gideon said. He said, I'm the least in my family. Uh, my family is, is little and nothing, and I'm the least in my family. You want me to, to lead Israel to deliverance? Yeah. 
And you might be sitting there today saying, I, I, there's some things I have in my heart, but I, I can't do that. I can't see that. Well, you know, that's why you need God's help. God is not calling you to do great things by yourself. It's you and him that's going to cause you to do great things. God was telling this young man that I've called you to a big, ridiculous dream. You're to be my prophet to the nations. And he did the same thing with Abraham. Abraham was a nobody. And God said, if you'll just do this, I'll make your name great. I'll make you a great nation. And you will all the families of the earth be blessed. The whole earth. Big, ridiculous dream. Come on, God told Joseph that your family's going to bow to you. He was one of the youngest in the family. Big, ridiculous dream. You get into people like John the Baptist. Who is he? Just nobody. And the Bible, God said to him, you're going to be the forerunner to the Messiah himself. Big, ridiculous dream. David, once again, he was just, he was the, the youngest in his family. There is scripture that seems to point to David being a bastard child. There's an argument about something he said in the Psalms. He's the youngest. He may not even be legitimate. And yet he's the one that God chooses to be the king of Israel. Big, ridiculous dream. And God has a big, ridiculous dream for you that will require audacious faith. The kind of faith that'll make people think you crazy. The kind of faith that'll make you, you, think, you, make you think you crazy. But if you'll, you'll grab a hold of what God is saying and you'll chase after that, it will change your life and you'll, have a, you'll make a mark in this world that will never be erased. But you got to chase the dream. Somebody say chase the dream. I don't remember which athlete this was. I was trying to remember when I was getting ready today, but I remember this one athlete. Uh, it'll come to me later. Watch. And uh, I think it was, maybe, no, I'm not going to mess it up. So anyway, this athlete was in, in school one day. I think they were in elementary school, and the teachers asked them to write out, you know, what you want to be one day. And they said, I want to be a professional basketball player. And the teacher balked at that said, you need, to come, you need to write up something else because the chances are you're not going to be a professional basketball player. Well, that drove them. And they became a professional basketball player. You know, and, and, and sometimes what God gives you will seem crazy to the world around you. And you've got to believe enough in your God and in what he said to you to chase after that dream. What, no matter if, any, if no one else is with you, no one else believes in you, no one else can see it, you can see it. And, and, and be willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get there. Let me, let me read Acts chapter 20. Notice what Paul said. Don't forget Paul was somebody who persecuted the church. He was throwing Christians in prison and he was a part of one of them losing their life. And yet he says in verse 20, verse 24, chapter 20, verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So notice that he's saying my, my whole life 
is all about this dream God gave me. It's to preach the gospel, particularly in his case, to the Gentiles about Jesus. He t a little earlier in Philippians chapter 3, actually, he talks about how he has all of these accomplishments and he count them as dumb. They're nothing but, but doo-doo to him. Because what, he, what matters to him now is knowing God. What matters to him now is chasing the dream God has given for him. And when you figure out what God has called you to do, when God puts a dr big dream in your heart, you got to take the same mentality, man. you got to make a decision that I'm going to put other stuff to the side and I'm going to chase after what God put in my heart. I believe what he's given me is so great and so worth it that I will sacrifice so I can live that. And people do it all the time. I mean, anybody that's great in any arena of life, they did this. I, I mentioned athletes because a lot of times you'll see with these athletes, they'll grow up in, in areas where, you know, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of mess, and, and, and all their friends are caught up in it or they're even, even in jail or they lost their lives. But somehow they did not get caught up in it because they chose to sacrifice all of that so they could become a professional athlete. Right. You see the same thing when you look into in business. Right. You see people that, you know, even like Mark Zuckerberg and other people. And you go, how is it that at 20 something they create something like Facebook? Because there were things they didn't do that other kids were doing. Sometimes, you know, people say, why are you missing the party? Because I'm creating something. I've said this before. We spend too much time consuming content instead of creating content. I mean, it's something the Lord told me about, you know, because I, I write and all of that, and there just comes a point where it's like, well, you're watching all these shows and you're watching all these movies, but shouldn't you be writing shows and creating movies? So at some point, you're watching something when you should be creating something. At some point, you've got to learn to, 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 to sacrifice something so I can live the dream God gave me. Now, I'm all over the place here, but I hope you all are getting something. Because cause dreams need to be your fuel. That needs to be what drives you that dream God has put in your heart. And if you're not sure what that dream is, well, you know, that's part of what we have explored here. So we can help you to figure out what God called you to be and the dream God has for you. Because if you don't have a dream, your life has no direction. And you've heard me say it before, a man without a dream might as well be dead. There's just something wrong with you. A man that doesn't have something to, to, to chase after, you know, he doesn't have an adventure to go on. He's a shell of himself. That's why, ladies, if you're dating a guy and he doesn't know what he's about, he's not ready for you yet. He doesn't have a dream yet. You need to move on because, see, you're hitching yourself to his wagon. And if he don't know where the wagon is going, you don't want to be on that wagon. He's somebody that knows what they're all about, what dream they're chasing. They can paint for you a picture of the future. Even if it's, it sounds crazy, when you realize it's God, you can say, we can dream to together, baby. We're going to watch God do something amazing. But you, you got you to know the dream and you got to chase the dream that God's put in your heart. And that's what, what Paul did. That's what Abraham did. That's what David did. So many in our world today, when you see so many great things that people are doing, they were chasing the dream. And they gave up other things. They said, I count everything else as nothing to live that dream. And some of us, that dream is having a wonderful family life. And that means you may not hang out with your boys as much because you want to have a great marriage. You want to have great kids that love you when they're older. 
That might mean you're not, you, don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't hang out with the girls as much. You don't shop as much. It may mean you don't spend as much money right now. Because y'all want to be debt free and have no financial. See, I'm, see, I'm, I'm preaching. To, to. We need to choose to accept God's dream and chase God's dream at all costs. Acts chapter 9. Let me keep moving because I'll preach all day. I'm, I'm feeling my help come on as the old preachers used to say. Let's talk a little bit about the dream God has for this church. Acts 9.31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This is right after Paul was saved. So all that, they were just coming through a season where Christians were being thrown into prison. Christians were losing their lives simply because of their faith. And God stopped it by getting the main persecutor saved. So now they have peace. And they're edified. All the churches are growing spiritually and walking in the fear of the Lord. The whole, all the churches were walking, living holy. Ooh, look at that. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, God was healing the hearts of the church. They just went through this horrible season where they watched their brothers and sisters be thrown into prison. People lost their lives. And so God comes in and heals the brokenhearted. You got to be healed to step into the future God has for you. Notice this. They were multiplied. All the churches were multiplied. All of them. You know, at least four times in Acts, we read about the churches multiplying. Not even adding a person here or there, not even doubling. Multiplying. And there's many other places in, in the book of Acts where we read, uh, you know, we see other terms used for the growth of the church. Bible says multitudes came into the kingdom of God. And, and, and so we can see that the church was constantly growing and growing and growing and, and doubling and tripling and quadrupling over and over and over again. In fact, if you study what happened with the early church, you'll find that they started with 120, but within five years, they had 100,000 in Jerusalem alone. And of course, now, 2,000 years later, there's over 2 billion that are following Jesus in this world, and it started with 120. So there was a multiplication, and a multiplication, and a multiplication, and more multiplication, and it just kept going and going and going, and that is what happens, that's how the kingdom of God grows, that's how it works. When you do the kingdom right, the kingdom multiplies. And if God could do this for all the churches in that area, of that time. Surely he can do it for FX Church today. Yeah. Come on now. If he could do it for all the churches in Judea and Samaria and Galilee, all of them multiply. Surely FX Church and 94 and Shane can multiply today. Come on now. Surely God can increase us. And that is our dream here. Our dream is that this church gives Detroit and beyond a faith experience. That we help hundreds of thousands of people in this area that don't know God to actually experience the future God has for them. That is our big, ridiculous dream. 
And you know what? This church was a big, ridiculous dream. This building was a big, ridiculous dream. And God calls those things to come to pass. And God wants this church to be a church of 100,000 strong here in Detroit. That's our big, ridiculous dream. And one day, we'll look back and say, this was our 120. This is just what we started with. This was just our army. But look what the Lord has done. We have helped God reach Detroit. And we are chasing that dream. Somebody say, chase the dream. That's what we're doing. We've, from the day we started, we have been setting this church up to reach 100,000 strong. Because that's, the, that's really what God has given us. You may say, Pastor, there's a couple hundred people in the room. Yep, that's all right. We we're going to multiply. And then we're going to multiply again. And then we're going to multiply again. And then we're going to multiply again. Come on, anybody on here, anybody with me on this? Because that's what it's all about. It's about reaching people that are hurting, that need Jesus, that need what so many of us have. And that's our job to help them get it. Acts chapter 12, verse 24 shows us a picture of what our dream here is in Detroit and, and beyond. It says, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread. And there were many, somebody say many. There were many new believers. That means there are many people who were going to hell, but now we're going to heaven. There are many people that had hell wrecking their lives, but now had heaven blessing their lives. And that's what we're going to have here in Detroit, bringing heaven on earth, bringing heaven into the city of Detroit, right along with all the other churches, causing this to be a revival capital of the Midwest. Come on now, that's what God wants us to do. Anybody believe in God with me for that? That is our big, ridiculous dream. We will be 100,000 strong. Mind my words. Yes, we will. So Romans chapter 12. Pastor, I don't know of many churches that are 100,000 strong. Even if you don't, then we'll be the first. But there are other churches that are that big right now in this country. So why not us? If God could do it in Houston, if God could do it in Oklahoma, if God could do it in California, why not in Detroit? I don't know about you. I say, here I am, Lord. You, you, okay. Use me. Put me in the game. You say, Pastor, okay, what does that got to do with me? Romans 12. In Romans 12, he, uh, Paul's talking about the fact that all of us are different parts of the body of Christ. You know how your body is made is that you have different parts and they all have different roles, right? So your hand does some things your eye can't do. Your ears does some things that your nose can't do. So your hand is built different than your eye. And your ears are built different than your nose. And I don't know if you're the hand or the eye or the nose or the ear, but you are a part of the body of Christ and you're a part of the body, the part of the body that's FX Church. So that means that you have certain giftings that I don't have, and yet we need them. Because what happens if your hand stops working? Now you gotta overcompensate. The other hand has to work. I, of course, you know, I played basketball when I was coming up, and, and I had a couple of knee injuries, had a couple of knee surgeries. And the challenge with that, I wouldn't be surprised if the second one happened because the right knee was overcompensating for the left knee. 
When one stops working well, but you're still trying to play, and what happens is you end up putting extra pressure on the other knee, and that eventually it breaks down. And honestly, the day is, has come for us to stop having part of FX Church overcompensate for the other part that's not doing anything. Because in this church, we've got, you know, about 60 people that are on the X team that do everything. Everything. And we've got hundreds of people that don't do nothing but come to church and eat some food and party when we party and then go home. I mean, you know, you're not going to get to 100,000 strong doing that. What you're going to do is you're going you're gonna to wear out the 60 people. They're overcome. Eventually, they break down. And we've lost some people because of this. We've lost some people that because they did so much. And I tried to warn some people, you're doing too much, you're doing too much. But they had a big heart. They wanted to serve God. And I'm like, you got to get some more people to help you. And eventually, they hit a wall. Because they have a life. And they're not supposed to carry all this by themselves. This is not just the church of 60 people. It's the church of hundreds of people. It's all our church. And all of us have gifts. And we really get in trouble when, when the eye is trying to do the hand's job. It's like, you don't want me trying to put down carpet. Now, I'm going to try. But stuff like that, I'm bad at that. You'd be like, ain't that crooked, Pastor? I'd be like, is that crooked? In fact, you'd be like, is that blue or black? I'd be like, I don't know. I can't tell the difference. Anybody else like that? I can't tell the difference. Okay, maybe it's just me. So, come on. There are things that, that, that I can't do well, but other people can do well. There are things that you can't do well that somebody else can do well. And, and yet, when you have this part trying to do this person's job, that's where you end up finding that excellence is not the end result. But when you know you're good at painting, and they're bad at it, and we say, we need help painting, you got to show up. You don't get to walk in the church and complain, ooh, look at that paint. They did a horrible job. Well, what was your behind? <laughs> you didn't say behind, Pastor? Yes, I said behind. <laughs> right? Come on, that's not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> Romans 12 says this. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership responsibility, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it. Somebody say, do it. Do it gladly. And 1 Peter 4, he says the same thing. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. Use them. To serve one another. You have the gift of speaking. That's prophecy in Romans 12. Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Gift of helping others. Do it. Somebody say, do it. With all the strength and energy that God supplies. So God is saying, I've given you giftings. I've given you abilities. You have a passion for something. It's one of the things we do and explore. We're trying to figure out what you're passionate about. We're not interested in saying, we got these needs in the church. Can you do this need? No, no, no. We want to know what you're passionate about what you're on fire about, and then we're going to plug you in there. And you have some passion. You have some fire. You have uh, some giftings. And God is telling you today, it's time for you to do it. 
It's time for you to use them well. The time has passed for this church to be full of consumers and to start being contributors. Man came across this list and it said, you know you're becoming a church consumer when your worship attendance becomes optional. You replace in-person attendance with digital attendance. Although there are a few that have, you know, real reasons for that. Your attendance to a small group is declining or you stop attending completely. You don't invite and bring first-time guests. Your attitude towards your church is more critical. Your giving declines or stops. You critique sermons instead of listening prayerfully. You see church as a place to meet your needs instead of meeting the needs of others. You don't pray for your church regularly. You don't share the gospel. See, we got to stop treating this place like it's Chick-fil-A. Come on, stop treating this place like it's your favorite store. This is not somewhere you just go to to receive. This is the place you come to to give. We are not a store. We are an army, and you are a soldier in that army. And it's time for you to take your place and do your part so we can help save Detroit. We are not going to live the dream that God has for us if we don't all step up and do our part. Are you ready to be a part of God's army? Are you ready to do your part in reaching people for Jesus? We need to follow the example of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Is anybody willing to say, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready. Look at that. We've got about six hands. Come on now. Anybody ready to say, here I am, here am I, Lord, send me. Yeah. And God will honor that. And so today is a little different because I want to I challenge you to not just say yes to a message, but to actually step up and begin to do your part. So when we end our experience today, we're going to actually have the leaders of our serve teams come forward. And I'm going to read to you what each one of them does. And I want you to find your way to at least one of them to talk to them about how you can serve at FX Church. And you say, I don't have time. Can you do once a month? Can you do twice a month? What we really want to do is we want people to be able to serve at, at the very least once every other week. But I would love people to be able to serve once a month. We have more than enough people that we should be able to do that. So I want to challenge you to actually be willing to do it. Anybody saying, yeah, I'm ready to go ahead and start serving? Anybody ready to start serving? Look at, put your hand up, look around, look around. If somebody don't have their hand up, just lovingly elbow them and say, come on, he just, he just finished preaching to you. Come on now. Amen. Let's, let's, let's do our part. Let's stop talking about reaching Detroit. Let's actually do it. Now, how are we going to do that? We're going to do it together. So let's start right now. Every head body, everybody closed in prayer. Somebody might say, Pastor, you know what? I don't even know Jesus. I don't know that if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. And God loves you more than you understand. That's what all this is about. He's doing everything he can to get your attention got you listening to this today he's tugging on your heart because he wants you to become a part of his family stop living the low quality of life that you're living compared to what he has start living the first class life that he has for you 
If you've never chosen to follow Jesus, but you want to do that today, we want to help you to make the greatest decision of your life. Someone else might say, I made a decision to follow Jesus, but you know what? I'm far from God again. For whatever reason, I've, I've gotten away from God. And yet, you know what? God still loves you. He still has a plan for your future. If you'll make a decision to come home to him today, he'll help you to live that future. We want to help you with that as well. And so I've given two very simple invitations to, today. The first, to choose to follow Jesus, to give him your life like he gave you his. The second, to get right with him or come home to him. If either one of those invitations apply to you today, if you want to say yes to God concerning either one of those areas, I want to encourage you right now to be bold and to lift your hand. Go ahead, lift your hand now if I'm talking about you. If you've never chosen to follow Jesus, but you want to do that today, you want to make sure that heaven is your home. Lift your hand. I see that hand. Great decision. Or if you've gotten away from God, you're ready to get right with God, go ahead and lift your hand as well. If you're online somewhere, lift your hand. Let God know. Let God see that you're ready. If you've got a tug of war going on in your heart, that's God knocking on the door of your heart. The Bible says, and in Revelation chapter 3, that God stands at the door and knocks. Go ahead and let him in. You've tried everything else. Try God. It'll be the last thing you try. So if you raised your hand or you know that you should have raised your hand, I want to ask you to do something else. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to pray it with me. I'm asking everybody to pray it with you as well. And then watch what God does in your life. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today to give you my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess with my mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I turn away from it, and I receive you, Lord. Thank you, Lord for hearing my prayer, for answering my prayer, and for saving me now. And Father, we thank you for those that have prayed this prayer for the first time and those who have chosen to come home to you. We thank you that because of their decision, they're part of your family now, which means that all of your benefits belong to them. So we ask that your power work in their lives, bringing them victory in whatever situations that they're facing. I pray, Father, that you help them to know you, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a mark in this world. And we give you the praise and glory for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give a round of applause to those that made that decision. God is good. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.